Um, that was a long time ago. And I was there when that sort of like fell through and, and watched kind of Aaron's heart as it kind of broke for, for a dream, a, a, a vision that he had. Um, and so to see it actually come alive and become something that's real and legitimate and like growing and powerful and, and impactful and transformational, it's such an incredible joy for me and for my heart. And I don't know very many of you. Some of you I do know. Um, but I know that God's working. And I know that Aaron is an awesome guy. I'm excited that he's leading you. Um, you're lucky to have him as a leader. Um, I'm lucky to have him as a friend. Um, and so it's just an incredible honor for me to be here this morning. Um, incredible responsibility, and I'm excited about it. Um, thank you for having me come. You're probably ready to have Aaron back, I'm guessing, after a three-week hiatus. Um, but shoot, he needs the vacation time too. So yeah, we met, uh, um, we were at, speaking at the same conference a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago actually. And uh, he gave this sermon that I was just like, man, that's powerful and I need, I need you to say that to, to people in Omaha because we really need to hear it. Um, and as, as I was considering what I would come and talk to you guys about, um, I thought, you know, maybe give you a little flavor of who we are at Finding Life and at the same time talk to you about something that's a really big um, deal to my heart, something I'm really passionate about. And it's actually one of Finding Life Church's core values. We have seven core values. You probably have core values too here at Mosaic. Um, if I polled you um, what your values are, I wonder how many of you would actually be able to recite them. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> It'd be a fun experiment. You should figure, what those, figure out what those are because my guess is like finding life, um, the core values are, are sort of the things that direct you, that guide you, that, that point you in the right direction when you're not sure what exactly or how exactly to make a decision or, or who exactly to be. You have that filter of your core values. Okay, our core values are this, so that means we should do this. Um, and it takes all the guesswork out and it allows God to form life in us um, and, and doesn't let our, our stupidity and our humanity and our brokenness um, get in the way of God continuing to form us. Um, I asked Brian to ask you that question about, uh, about pretending and being fake for a very specific reason today. I want to talk to you about our fourth core value. It's authenticity. Authenticity, and it's a word that I think probably gets thrown around in, in churches a lot. I don't know if it's one of your core values, but I know it's a core value of a lot of churches. But what I wonder is how many of, how many churches that say that's one of our core values um, actually see that fleshed out in the lives of the people and in the community uh, of that church. And my guess is not very many, and I'm convinced that the reason is probably because it's such an individual thing. It requires each individual to make a decision about themselves. And choose to be authentic. The word authentic, um, you know, it, it's real. What you see is what you get. Um, and that's hard. That's, that's tough. My guess is that for the most part, you probably came up with a story or something funny at a time that, that you pretended about something that didn't really matter. But my guess is if you really thought about it, if you really got to the core of who you are today uh, and did some serious thinking, you'd realize that, that you've probably spent a ton of your life pretending. Or at least being being partially who you are. Or presenting something about yourself that you think you're supposed to be. Because of the place that you work or where you go to school or, or, or the people that you interact with. See, our entire world is constructed with, um, with devices that we are kind of expected to fit into. Or at least we should fit into if we're going to have any value or hold any value in this world. Um, and, and the problem is, is all of those things that the world values... Um, have no worth or value in God's economy. In fact, it's all the other stuff. Um, I just wanted to start with a, a verse really quick that 
um, that's going to sort of direct our time this morning. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is Paul, and he's talking, um, he's writing this letter, and he's talking about himself, okay? Paul, you've heard of Paul, he's the church, you know, we're meeting here today. Paul was the first church planter, okay? So this is a church plant. We owe it to Paul that we even have this concept today, all right? And he's talking about himself, and he's talking about how, um, how broken and how weak he is. And Paul could pretend, right? Because a lot of people thought Paul was a pretty awesome guy, and he was a pretty awesome guy, okay? Um, but listen to Paul's words, starting in verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations of the reasons to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. And I, I find it really interesting that, that Paul's, uh, Paul's choice about of the way he conveys himself is totally different than ours. See, Paul wants to wear his weakness on his forehead. He wants everybody to know about it. Because he recognizes a really important reality. As long as we're pretending, then the power of God in our lives is rendered useless. As long as we're pretending. But if we choose to embrace the brokenness that all of us live life with, that we're fully aware of, then the power of the Holy Spirit can work through us in powerful ways. We all come from different backgrounds. We come from different places. You have stuff in your life that you're not proud of. Maybe stuff going on right now in your life that you're not proud of. Or that someone else isn't proud of. Maybe you actually are, but, but it's not something that, that holds much value in, in the circles that you run in, so you can't really be proud of it. The value of authenticity is about choosing to embrace the broken parts of our lives, recognizing that we tear the wall down between us and God when we embrace the brokenness in our lives that we all have all the time. So instead of building these castles or building these images, at Finding Life we have kind of like an unofficial saying, slogan. Um, we say real is better than perfect all the time. We try to say it as often as we can to as many people as we can. If you get nothing else from this morning, um, my prayer is that you would remember that because that's true. In God's economy, that's true. Real is better than perfect. Not one person was ever called to perfection. We're called to be real and authentic. And so that's why it's a value for us. Um, as we go through this morning, I, I hope that you sense the goodness of what it could look like to actually begin the process of moving towards living a fully authentic life that just says, this is who I am. And I don't need to pretend for you. And the coolest thing about it, especially from like a, a church community standpoint, is imagine an entire group of people like this size and, and maybe like twice this size. And every single individual is committed to being exactly who they are, no matter what that looks like. Imagine other people walking into that and realizing, oh my goodness, I can be myself. I long for that. I long for finding life to be a community where people can walk in and be themselves and they'll just simply be loved for who they are. Accepted, used, valued. And to me, that is the byproduct of individuals choosing to live authentic lives for the sake of allowing the power of God to work and be powerful in and through their lives. And that's going to be my prayer this morning for all of us here at Mosaic. It's interesting that our, how our world builds 
teaches us to build images, right? There's this company called Accessories. Have you ever heard of it? I've actually got a couple images. I don't know if you guys end up getting those or not. But this first one I want to show you is kind of like um, one of those... Oh, you can't really read it. I can't even read it. Um, there's going to be a series of these, so I want to show them to you. Okay, this is kind of the, the, the standard, right? There's like a word... And it's like always a really positive word. We give these away for like graduations or whatever. See, we tend to like focus in on whatever's good about us or, or what we want to be good about us. So there's, there's all kinds, you know, integrity and character and teamwork. And they have this little slogan. I think this one says, um, the easiest way, I can't even read it. doesn't matter. It's something really cool and nice and fun, okay? We're so good at focusing in on what we wish we were. Um, that we can easily ignore all the stuff that we wish weren't true. Now, there's this other company that I tend to like a little bit more. Um, and, and it's called Demotivational.com. If you've never seen it, take a look. But I got a couple of slides for you just kind of for fun. Um, these crack me up. I love how they focus on, on probably what's more true about us. You can read this. That's better, right? How many people in this room is that true about? Probably me too. Hard work often pays off, but after time, um, laziness always pays off right now. We can go to the next one. We can go through them pretty quick. Regret, it hurts to admit when you make mistakes, but when they're big enough, the pain only lasts a second. Tradition, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's not incredibly stupid. Isn't that the truth? Underachievement, because soaring with the eagles requires so much effort. A couple more. Mistakes, this one's hits a little too close to home right now. Um, it could be that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. How are you feeling this morning? Idiocy. Never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. Um, <laughs> this one might be a little too close to home, too. Government, if you think the problems we create are bad, just wait until you see our solutions. And I think there might be one more. Believe in yourself because the rest of us think you're an idiot. Is that it? Are we done? All right. That's it. Okay, partly that was for fun, but, but partly I, I wanted to kind of set up something. See, we're so much more comfortable thinking about the good things about our lives, the things that we like about ourselves, or the things that, that make sense to other people. So, so, so for pre- imagine if you got a, a plaque like that from your parents at graduation, right? It, it wouldn't feel very good, but it might be, it, it might be more constructive, it might be actually better for you. Instead, we, we give these things away. They're like, this is who you are. And, and then we spend the rest of our lives going, well, I'm supposed to be this because this is what my parents want me to be. Or because this is what the world says I'm supposed to be. Or how I'm supposed to act. Or this is what people think is valuable. And then the biggest problem with that is we take that image and we project it on God. And we think, this is what God needs me to be. He needs me to be perfect. He needs me to be well put together. And so that means the people in my church, they need me to be well put together. And what I say today is forget that. Forget about that. We don't need that. And I've got a couple of reasons why this morning. Why authenticity, why real is better than pretending. Getting rid of the image keeping. How exhausting is it? If you're, if you're doing image keeping right now, working really hard to project yourself as somebody, which, hey, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Okay? It's exhausting. We can't keep up with it. And eventually we don't. We break down. Instead, choosing to live a life of authenticity is powerful. First of all, um, the best reason not to pretend anymore is because you can't hide your failure. 
You can't hide it. You can try for a while. You can build kind of like a, you can build an image that, that nobody can break through, but eventually you won't be able to hide it. Um, first of all, you can't hide it from God. You can't hide it from God. In Genesis 3, chapter, 7, um, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, there's this guy that comes, I'm sorry, back up. Um, let me read it for you. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. This is Adam and Eve. At the very beginning of the time, we see them begin pretending and they do it with God, which is just hilarious. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, right? They just ate the fruit and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord. They hid from God among the trees. Which, you know, think about how silly it is to hide from God. Okay? I can just imagine them for a second just like crouching in the bushes and, you know, that, so the Bible actually says... God came walking through the garden in the cool of the day, which is such a neat image. But, but imagine people so blinded by their mistakes that they actually thought they could hide from God. And, and we see that, and it's obvious, and that's stupid. Okay, God obviously can see you, but how much time do we spend hiding from God? We don't just hide from each other. We hide from God. We pretend in front of God. Religious ritual. You know, I grew up believing that, that what the right thing was to do was like to have a quiet time every morning and read your Bible, you know, for this amount of time every day. And it, it, it became so empty to me and so meaningless to me. But I would do it anyway because it would make me feel good about my position before God. Reality was useless in the sight of God because all God wanted was my heart. All God wanted was me. So we pretend with God and it doesn't do us any good. In Mark chapter 10, there's this... There's, there's this um, religious leader, this, um, this really rich man, okay, and he runs up to Jesus as he's walking through a village, um, and he says, okay, Jesus, I am perfect in every imaginable way. I've kept the law since the day I was born. Never done anything wrong. I've given all, you know, I've, I've done these great things and these nice things. He goes down this list. You know, he gets out of his successories. Look at it. These are all mine. I've got all these awards, and they're really good. And Jesus looks through him. Right through him. Right through his perfectly kept image. And he says, no, it's not enough. He says, sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. And, the, and it says the, the man hung his head and walked away sad because he was really wealthy. We tend to hear that and think, oh, Jesus was upset at him for being rich. That wasn't what it was at all. But he saw right through him and he saw you worship money. And as long as you worship money, you'll never be able to worship me. So you can't hide from God. You can't pretend. He sees right through it, every single one of us. And our desperate attempts to manage our lives and manage our image, they, they don't work. And they eventually keep us and keep us from God and put a wall up between us and God because God is standing there saying, I just want you. I, just, I don't want, your, I don't want your, your good behavior. I don't want all your junk. I, I don't want all your perfect junk. I want all your junk, the real stuff. Give that to me. So as long as we're image-keeping for God, we can't be connected with Him. Think about it, any other relationship. If you're pretending, how's that relationship? For any of you married people in the room, if you're pretending with your spouse, how long can that last before the wheels completely come off? You can't hide from God. Okay? You can't hide from God. He knows you're a failure. He knows everything about you from the day you were born. Secondly, you can't hide from each other. Okay? The person next to you knows you're a failure. They know it. Okay? Go ahead. Look at the person next to you. 
That person knows you're a failure. This is what I think is so funny about pretending. It's almost like we have this, like, this deal with each other. Like, if you don't ask me about my failures, I won't ask you about yours, and we'll just kind of pretend that we're all doing pretty good. You know, or at least we're doing better than the next guy. So we just, we, we go through life, and, and we'd rather, we, we know people are fake. You, you could probably come up with someone in your head right now that you're like, that person is so fake. Have you ever told them so? Of course not, because if you told them, then you might be exposed as being fake and pretending. Right? We, we just got this deal. Okay, you don't say anything to me. I won't say anything to you. But what good does it do? Because we all know. We all know. You and I both. Okay, I'm broken. I'm a failure. I'm a mess. I don't have what it takes to do it on my own. When are we going to quit pretending? For the sake of real relationship. Because as long as we're pretending with each other, we can't have real relationship. I saw something up on your screen. Um, you know, those uh, before we started here this morning, it said, life is better. Do you, anybody know what it says? In relationships. Life is better. Life works better. I think. I might be getting it quite kind of off. But it's like when we're asking you to you know, give your information so we can connect with you. Right? It works better in relationship, but we can't have genuine relationship if we're all just faking it, if we're all just pretending, if we're all just image keeping. It's time to stop. This might be one of the cornerstones or the biggest roadblocks for a brand new church, for a church plan. You, you have a choice to make at some point, and this is why it gets so hard, because it's an individual choice. Okay? If you choose to continue to be image keepers, you will just be another church. That's what you'll be. And we've got tons of them. How many churches are there in Lincoln? A lot. How many of you have gotten the question before, why do we need a new church? Why do we need another church? I've gotten that question so many times. And I promise you, I promise you, if you choose to continue the image keeping, you will become another church. That's nice. You know, maybe better music than most. You know, kind of cool atmosphere. The pastor's really good looking. You know, whatever. You'll have all that stuff, but that's always what will be the end, the beginning and the end of what defines you. But real community is, is built on genuine relationships. And genuine relationships cannot happen without true authenticity. The, the, the very first early church communities, um, they weren't identified by their programs or their music or, or all the good things that they had to offer their coffee. You guys have so much better coffee than we do, which is awesome, by the way. Okay, They weren't identified by that. Do you know what they were identified by? The way they loved each other. Their genuine relationships. People saw the way they loved each other, and they were like, I want to be part of that. I want in. I want to know what that's like, because no one is experiencing it. And if we, as people who have been chosen by God, been given incredible amounts of grace, if we choose to continue to live in our image-keeping worlds, then we'll just be another church that has marginal transformational growth. And that's what we're after. That's the point. That's why we do this. You know, like Thomas, you know the story of Thomas, you know, there's, there's 12 of them in the room, and, and Thomas is the only one who didn't believe that Jesus actually raised from the dead, okay? At least that's what we think. But I'll bet you anything that at least half of those disciples didn't believe it either. 
But Thomas was the only one with enough gut to say, yeah, right, unless I see it with my own eyes. And, and Thomas gets a bad rap. Okay, He gets a bad rap. But because, and this is what's so cool about Thomas, how many of those 12 disciples, you know, if you don't know the story, Jesus raises from the dead, right? And, and a couple of the, his closest friends, they see him. And they come back and tell his other, all the 12 are together, we saw Jesus, he raised from the dead. And one of the guys, his name was Thomas, he's like, Whatever, unless I see the marks, you know, from the crucifixion in his hands, um, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it. And, you know, whatever. Who knows what the interaction was actually like. But then Jesus shows up in the room and he says, Thomas, come touch my hands. Of those 12 disciples, which one of them got to experience Jesus' resurrection the most powerful? Thomas. Thomas got to experience it. See, his authenticity allowed him to experience God in a way that none of the other ones got to. He admitted his brokenness. He didn't try to pretend. And he had an incredibly powerful, genuine experience. You know, God wants to use our failures, is my next point. He wants to use them. He's not just not fooled by them, but if we allow him to, he wants to use them. Okay, Peter is like my favorite guy in the Bible because he was such an idiot. Almost all the time. Okay, he was so weak and so broken. And, and he was, like, Jesus was constantly, like, smacking him over the head. Peter, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? At one point, he looked Peter right in the eyes, because Peter was being an idiot. And he said, get behind me, Satan. That's what he looked in his eyes and said that to him. Right? Peter was making mistakes all the time. But you know what Jesus said about Peter? On this rock, I will build my church. Wow. If you're broken... If you know it, if, you, if you're an incredible failure, I, I want to give you some hope this morning. God wants to use you, not the, pers- not the professional religious guy, not the person who looks like they've got it all together. He wants to use you. God uses broken people. He wants to use you. But He can only use you if you choose to embrace it. Only if you choose to embrace it, like Paul did 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And I love this. I love how Paul says this in verse 10. He says, therefore, I am well content with weakness. How many of us are content with our weakness? How many of us have ever been taught to be content with our weakness? No, we're taught to hide it, to to shove it aside, right? Work on, you know, do the things that you're best at so nobody knows about the things that you're not good at. And Paul's Paul's approach is completely different. He just says, I'm content with my weakness. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You cannot be radically changed and used by God unless you embrace your brokenness. Unless you recognize it, embrace it, and see it as the avenue for power. It's not just, oh, this thing bugs me, right? At first it was for Paul, right? He asked God, take this weakness away from me. And and God's like, no, I want you to have it. Because it's the avenue for power. You have two choices in this life. You can live on your strength. And you've got, you know, maybe some of you in this room are are crazy, super geniuses. Great. You're going to get a lot further in life than I am. Because that's not me. Okay? But you've got a ceiling. There's things that you can't do and will never be able to do. 
But with God flowing through your life, there's no ceiling. All the power of the Holy Spirit is at our fingertips only when we choose to rest in dependency on the power of God and not in ourselves. And it begins with us choosing to live authentic lives. Not for the sake of others, but for the sake of our relationship with God. And only when we do that can we truly understand. See, I don't get this completely. Because I'm an image keeper. I want people to like me. I want to fit in. I don't like my failures. I am very uncomfortable with my failures. So I read this from Paul and I just go, what? How is this possible? I'm well content with weakness. It's like me saying, my name is Jake. When I'm tired, I get really selfish. I spend much of my life living for the approval of others. I get frustrated and yell at my kids. I'm a major over-exaggerator. It's actually borderline dishonest. I have to make decisions on emotion rather than wisdom. I can, I can be very controlling. I'm terribly insecure. It's hard to say that. Even right now, I don't know hardly any of you. And I'm going to leave in like 20 minutes and probably not see you guys again. So I don't, have to, I don't have to worry, but it's still hard because those things are all true about who I am. And so much they define me and they rule my life and, and they're things that I hate. But if I follow in the footsteps of Paul and choose authenticity, God can take that stuff. And I'm working every day at learning to embrace those things. This is who I am in my brokenness, in my mess. Make your own list. What's yours? Guess what? There's worse things in my life not on that list. I'm not going to tell you about those. It'd be uncomfortable for everybody. So what are those things for you? Because not only does God want us to get to the point where we can, where we can recognize our mess, but then get to the end of that list and go, and I'm proud of it. That seems crazy to me. I don't know if it seems crazy to you. But it could be incredibly life Changing The bottom line, the choice to be authentic, cannot be based on what people think and what people are doing. It can't be based on people's trustworthiness, right? So often we think, well, I'll be real with somebody that I know really well. Or, you know, I want to make sure that they're not going to, like, tell anybody else about my failures. And what does that keep us from? Ever having real relationships. See, what I pray for and this is totally has to be a God thing, is that, is, that, is that we get to a point where we say, forget about it. We're all messed up, and it doesn't matter. Let's be messed up together. And then all of a sudden, the church doesn't, is no longer a place where you have to dress up. You have to look just right. You have to say the right things, be the right person. It becomes a place where, where we can just be a mess together and have encouragement and support and power and strength. To overcome some of those issues in our lives. If you're trying to overcome them on your own, you have no shot. And you're going to continue continue to experience the destruction of, of the mess that we create for ourselves, which we all do. But if we choose authenticity, not because people are worthy of it, but because we need it, then God can flow through us in ways that are so powerful that our lives will never be the same. And our churches will have impact like it never had before. I dream and pray for a church that people 
that don't know Jesus could look at and go, that's the most real and authentic people I've ever known. Unfortunately, that's not the reputation of Christians in our world, is it? And I believe that God can do something different if we choose to embrace our brokenness and live truly authentic lives. Believing that real is better than perfect. Would you pray with me? Father God, um, thank you for this community. And thank you for the what they represent. Um, I pray that you would uh, do something bigger, greater, more powerful than any of us can ever possibly ask or even think of or even imagine. We have, vi- we have a vision and we have plans and we have hopes and dreams and all these things of what you might do with Mosaic in Lincoln. Aaron probably has bigger dreams and and, and vision for this than any of us. But even his biggest dream is too small compared to what you actually want to do in and through our lives and through this community. And God, I pray that you would do it in a powerful way. I pray that you would just shock everybody, shock this community with the power of your grace and the power of your love and the reality of your kindness in our lives. Thank you for allowing us to be real. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to live lives that are so completely authentic and open that we can just rid ourselves of the burden of image keeping, of impressing people. And we can be free to love you and others. In Jesus' name, amen.